in the first year, we were probably doing everything wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. We were doing the discovery, discovery studies, but then as soon as a person made any kind of inkling that they understood, we would pull them aside and lead them to Christ. Ah. And that resulted in the group destroying itself. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. Hello and welcome to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star, rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash faithworks or click the link in the description. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you. You support Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. Uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, my name is Rebecca Ewing. I'm here with David Watson, and we've been really uh, enjoying hearing about the beginnings of movement and also the principles of movement. Uh, from his experience uh, and seeing these things happen. And what we're going to be focusing on today is the moments of decision. So believing, repenting, and being baptized. You know, we, we start discovery Bible studies with those that don't know Jesus and we're bracing this, this path of discovery, helping them to be able to see for themselves from the Word and allowing them to be able to go through the journey and the process of reading the Bible. But at one point... Do we uh, help them or how do we help them be able to, um, through those moments of believing, repenting, and baptism? So, you know, uh, first off, David, you know, when it comes to these particular, you know, the, these journeys through, I'm sure a lot of people uh, who are used to the other methods of, of basically presentational kind of gospel, um, you know, kinds of ways of reaching people, that there, it's hard for them not to. Once somebody says anything that sounds like, "Hey, is Jesus God?" or you know, <laughs> or any moments of of seemingly un starting to understand, to want to jump in there and tell the rest of the story. You know, what would you say to to, to those people? Well, first of all, there's a, another major assumption we have to deal with, and that is the fact that individual salvation is not the norm in most of the world. In most of the world, groups become convicted by Christ, make their repentance, and then as family groups or sometimes age groups, uh, they come to Christ. And that's probably the biggest change that we made in the very beginning was understanding that we could win one person out of a family, cause a family crisis, and see 10 go to hell. Mm -hmm. And we decided, okay, that does not sound like a strategy Jesus would use. Mm -hmm. That he would use a strategy that would win one person, and then the rest, the rest would be left behind, because of the family conflict. Winning one person uh, did so. When Jesus talked and sent his disciples into villages, he said, "Find the person of peace and stay with him and his family, or her and her family." And the the picture is that the minimum unit of evangelism was households not individuals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's probably the biggest change we, we made in those early days. And also probably the biggest place we got pushed back was the fact that, well, you know, it, it has to be an individual decision. And the answer to that is yes, everyone has to make a decision for Christ, 
But that doesn't mean it can't be made in the context of a family discussing this and agreeing together that they have not lived the kind of life that they should live, that they needed to repent, that they needed to fall on their knees before Christ and, and give their lives to Him, and, and to set out on a path of living the life of righteousness that is called mm-hmm. for by Christ, a life of obedience, a life of love. And that was a huge breakthrough for us in the early days. In the first year, we were probably doing everything wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. We were doing the discovery, discovery studies, but then as soon as a person made any kind of inkling that they understood, we would pull them aside and lead them to Christ. Uh-huh. And that resulted in the group destroying itself uh-huh. because the mm-hmm. rest the rest were saying, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We were, talk- we were learning about God. We weren't, we weren't changing our religion. We weren't changing our, our allegiance. And those were, those were valid statements that were coming from families. Mm. And it didn't take us long to realize, again, that same understanding that is a one-on-one approach to salvation that wins one in a family and makes 10, 12, 14 others never come to Christ, a strategy that Jesus would use. So what would happen when, it, it, now that you've, you were making that switch, what would happen if there was one family member who's seemingly coming around, so to speak, a little bit faster than the rest? What would you do then? Well, we, we say to them, hey, it's great you're learning this. Let's let it help everybody else catch up. Have the conversations with your families and friends. Mm-hmm. Have those conversations. And it came to a place where, where in the beginning we were very secretive about all this. Within four to five years, we were totally open saying, look, uh, we need to have open discussion with family and friends about what God is doing. Mm-hmm. And starting out with com- conversational topics like, I learned something interesting about God today and see what they said to that. They said, mm-hmm. well, what did you learn? That permission to say it. And they would start talking about what they were learning about God, whether it was a substitutionary atonement when uh, Abraham and Isaac uh, were dealing with the angel on, the, on a mountain and, and the mm-hmm. sacrifice that, that he was supposed to obediently give, or whether it was just a time when Jesus was talking to the 5,000 right. and, and seeing people come to Christ, or when Peter was preaching to the 3,000 and seeing people come to Christ. Those are the things that we began to look at was there seemed to be a lot more about groups coming to Christ in the Bible than there were about individuals. We certainly had the individuals. Nicodemus was one of those. The blind man in John chapter 9 was one of those. We, we saw the individuals, but the blind man was exiled from his family. Mm-hmm. And Nicodemus was the head of his family. Mm-hmm. So there, right. The Ethiopian eunuch would have you know, a large influence with where, with his position and things like that. So it's, it's not about the fact that you, there isn't, each person doesn't need to individually, you know, receive Christ. The point is, is that we need to focus on trying to win as many people as possible. And so therefore helping that process along when you're doing a discovery group is going to be important to actually getting the entire group on board. Well, Rebecca, one of the things I, I think is we have to change the language how we talk about salvation. And the language of winning people is not a language that, that we see very much espoused in the Bible. It's, it's about sharing the gospel and people making a decision mm-hmm. to right. become a part of the, of, of the gospel experience. So therefore, we never were in the place of trying to convince people to become Christians. We just kept sharing the gospel until the Holy Spirit said to them, hey, you're messed up. 
And it's going to take a lot to change it. What is it going to take? And by that time, we're into the repentance passages. Mm-hmm. We're in, and then when they do repent, then we're into the baptismal passages. They're they're learning this. Well, hey, in the Bible it says that the Ethiopian eunuch got baptized. What do we do? Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. We never told people what to do. We said, you have the Bible in front of you. How do you obey what the Bible says? And that took a lot of the problems that we saw in uh, basic Christian uh, salvation models out of the equation. We lost them all, as many as possible, and started seeing more baptisms than any place else on the planet uh, mm-hmm. during those early years of working with the Bajpuri and now globally seeing just you know, tens of thousands of baptisms every month as a result of moving from a win them situation to let them hear God and everyone who listens and learns from God will come to Christ. It says in John six, uh, John chapter six, verses 43 to 45, that our job is to create an environment where people can listen to God. Mm-hmm. And when they listen to God, the Bible says everyone that's superlative, everyone who listens and learns from the father will come to Christ. Right. Now, if, if we truly believe that, then our job is to get people into environments where they can listen and learn from God. And that's what the discovery group did. It was an open discussion. It wasn't a whole lot of verbiage from a leader. It was almost no verbiage, actually, from the leaders. We taught them not to say hardly anything, that they answered every question with a question, mm-hmm. and that their, their job was to get people to ask the right questions, not give people the right answers. And right. once you once you saw people answer, asking the right questions, then you could point them to Scripture, and God would give them the answers that they were looking for. So, you know, if you have a group, and they're so, you know, so they're getting into the New Testament, and they're starting to read about how Jesus has power on earth to forgive sins, and they're starting to see him, you know, in his miracles and showing who he is and things like that, and they're starting to say things like, you know, he's he. Is he, is he God? Is he, you know, he, wow, he has power over these things. And they're starting along that realm. And they're maybe even saying things like, I want, I want it, I want to respond in some way. Do we have them wait until after they've read the crucifixion and then be able to see the, the baptisms or, you know, some people might want to storyboard or then explain the rest of the way or something. What would you what would you say that is the right thing to do at that point? We wait. We wait. Because if it becomes a conversion experience, it's about our religion, not about a relationship with God. Mm. And as we as we waited, that's when you get things happen. I, I got a report day before yesterday from a country I won't say the name of, but it was a Muslim country. And the, and the family that was involved in the Discovery Bible study, when they read that Jesus forgave sin, they said, wait a minute, only God can forgive sin. Does this mean that Jesus is God? Mm -hmm. And the leader wisely asked, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Now, by this time, they've been in discovery for maybe 16 weeks. Right, right. Because they started in the Old Testament. They're all the way through. Now they're in the New Testament. They're learning about Jesus. And they go, well, you know, we read in the Old Testament that the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming. Mm -hmm. And now... Jesus stands up and says, I am the one you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And, and he then forgives sin. This must be the Messiah. He must be God. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was a declaration that just overwhelmed the entire family at one time. Mm-hmm. 
and, and they fall on their faces and, and ask for God to forgive them for all the years they've messed up of, of believing in wrong things from their perspective now and understanding that all that they had believed had been forgiven, that it wasn't a, a weight they carried into this new relationship. Mm-hmm. It was gone mm-hmm. because Christ had, had paid the atoning price for that. And they understood the atonement because of the Old Testament and the sacrificial system that we looked at in the Old Testament. And they understood the atonement because they'd seen Christ's death on the cross mm-hmm. and the payment of sin for that. So the the whole picture of what God is doing, it'd be great if we could just take a flash and, and shoot it into everyone's head. But mm-hmm. the reality is we're linear learners. Mm-hmm. We've got to learn one, two, three, four, five before we learn six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And that same process is what we're looking at. What is the minimum amount of information people need in the presence of God to finally see that God is God? Mm-hmm. Without miracles, it's it's a pretty long process. But often we see miracles early. We see people healed. We people we see people just by the Spirit of God fall on their faces and repent without even know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And those settings, we have to come back behind and say, this is what's happening to you. Let me show you what's, what's going on. Mm. But, but it accelerated the process. It didn't change what we did. It just accelerated how fast we could move through the process. So what and, would you and, do that so for when you say moving fast the process, would you just go through the passages faster? Would you yep. so we would, like we would, instead of once we a week, would it twice would be a week. <laughs> oh, okay. so, twice a week instead of once a week? Mm-hmm. Sometimes right. in, in village situation, we, we often would just meet every day. It was not unusual. We'd come back to a village, and they were so far ahead of where we were the last time because they'd been doing it, continuing on uh, doing it while we were gone and mm-hmm. studying things that we had not planned for them to study. But it took them exactly where God wanted them to go. Uh, one of the most amazing events that happened in our ministry is we walked into a village that we knew for a fact no, no missionary had been to. They were in the they were in the middle of one of the hardest areas in India. And we walked in and, and immediately the guy just looked at us and says, Oh, you're talking about Jesus. And he's and asked him, where'd you get that? He says, Well, I went to Calcutta a couple of years ago and a guy gave me a little pamphlet to read. And and when I came back home, we all read it because we didn't have anything in entertainment. So we just read that out loud to the whole village, and it was the gospel of John. Mm. And from reading the Gospel of John, the whole village fell on their face and gave their lives to Christ. Didn't know what to call it until we came there and gave them the language to talk about what had happened to them. They just knew that they were now following Christ and not following anything else. Mm. And that their life was judged by their relationship to God, not by their relationship to anything else. And that was one of those eye-opening things for us that we realized, listen, when people listen to God, regardless of the messenger. Mm-hmm. When people listen to God, he's going to bring them to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing happen over and over and over again. It doesn't matter the culture. Every new work we started, and I've started 95 new works, okay, in my career. Every single new work says, well, that worked there, but it won't work here. Mm-hmm. And without exception, it's always worked here. Mm-hmm as if people would do what we asked them to do and train them to do. And we, we face that here in the United States. People say, well, oh, you know, that's, that's for overseas. That's not here for, you know, we have a better education system. We have, we all have access to scripture. And I say, okay, you've had access to scripture. How much of it have you read? Mm -hmm. Well, 
not much. I, I said, do you have a Bible? Oh, yeah. I said, when was the last time you read it? It's never been opened. You know, well, <laughs> in the end, it's by discipleship, not by access when it comes to these things. You know, it's by yeah. us, uh, them being brought to the process of listening and learning from God. And, you know, just because you have access to it doesn't mean that you're, it's actually happening. And, and that's one of the traps that, that even uh, mature Christians fall into. We stop reading the Bible because we think we know it. Mm -hmm. The reading of the Bible is not about knowing it. It's about interacting with God mm -hmm. and to listen to what he's saying and to compare our lives with what he's saying. And are we being the kind of person he's called us to be or are we doing other things? So even if we study the Bible every day, and I, I've fallen into that trap. You know, I, sometimes when I'm writing, I spend hours a day studying the Bible. That doesn't mean I'm reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just finished a study on hate. I spent an entire week studying the topic of hate from Scripture. And then I looked back and realized I, I really, I knew about hate, but I didn't know about God. Mm -hmm. Just from that study. Because I was focused on the word hate and what does it mean to us? Because when God hates, is it the same when per people hate? Mm -hmm. it, is hate an emotion or is it a decision? Those are, those are the kind of questions I was asking myself. So you were focusing on more of the information than you were about the relationship and your personal response Correct. to that particular thing, and which is often what we get tripped up on. So when we are when when uh, somebody is going through the process, is there ever and they're saying I want to be baptized? What kind of questions? I mean, what do you do? What kind of questions do you ask them? Do you ask them any questions before nope. they do? We this? don't ask any questions. We give them all the verses on baptism and say, do a three column study on these and come back. And tell us what God is telling you. Okay. Okay. We don't we don't tell anybody anything. Except do you ever ask them, scripture. do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe that? I mean, don't we see kind to. of this a little bit in the Philip Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch where he asked them, Well, do you actually believe these things? Do you Yeah, yeah. the the actual baptismal formula is is there. We we look at it. We we actually add a verse, a word uh, uh, or a sentence to it that isn't added. Now, do you believe that Jesus is God? Yes. Have you given your life? Have you sacrificed yourself life to Christ? Yes. Are you willing to obey him? Yes. And we say, are you willing to die for Christ? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know any Americans ever been asked, are you willing to die for Christ? And, never right. baptized. Mm -hmm. and yet that's a level of commitment God asks from us. Mm -hmm. That martyrdom is a norm in the Bible. It's not, it's not the exception. Right. And Globally, martyrdom is the, is the norm for a person becoming Christ. It's not the exception. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the exception here in North America. And yet you look at people that if you say you're a Christian, you won't get the job. Mm -hmm. Or if you say you, you, you share with people at work about, Christian, about your Christian walk and you get fired. So mm -hmm. there, are, there are different kinds of martyrs. And we see that in the United States. And, and in, under the current environment, it's even more so. I mean, you cannot talk about your religious life unless it's not a Christian religious life. Then you can talk about that all you want to. And that's, right. that's just part of the things that we look at. And, and this is true all over the world, that you, you don't talk about being a Christian to your friends, families, and neighbors. You just don't do that because mm -hmm. it results in pushback. Well, you know, I, I do have to say something that we have to deal with a lot of times here in the States that maybe some places that are an unreached people group may not have as big of a problem is, is that when it comes to the Discovery Bible Study yeah, um, and getting to that point, there's um, there's enough 
vague knowledge about baptism and saying a prayer for salvation and things like that out there that, you know, perhaps people jump to want to, to be baptized, you know, um, could it be maybe a little bit early before they even recognize that Jesus is God or maybe before he's real, you know, a lot of the basic things about what we're supposed, the journey through the Bible is supposed to be teaching. So how do you determine that they're not just jumping ahead to do the religious act and, and that they are really are coming to that discovery? The first thing is to understand that baptism is our confession of faith. It, it's, it's not the words we say, it's the actions we take. And obedience to be baptized is that first step of obedience that says, I am a person of faith. And, and announces that to your, your family and your community. We don't understand that kind of thing in the United States. We see baptism as a conversion experience. We don't see it as a fact. It's just the first step of obedience. Mm-hmm. That uh, believe and be baptized is, is not a suggestion. It's a command. Mm-hmm. Right. And as we, as we look at that, when people get to the place that they believe and they are asking the question about baptism, that's when we accelerate information. We don't accelerate the process. We just accelerate the information we're giving to them. So when they come to a place of wanting to be baptized, we give them all the passages on baptism and say, study this and see if you're ready for this. Mm-hmm. And when they, they go through and, and read the passages on baptism and what they mean, some say, we're not there yet. Others say, oh, yes, this is exactly where we are. And, so do you, and you just give them the baptized. stories about baptism or do you actually give other like Pauline epistle kind of story, things on baptism? We give the whole Every verse that deals with baptism in the Bible, we do, including Old Testament passages. Gotcha, gotcha. So those Have you are, ever had somebody come back and be like, oh, this is really not what I was, oh, yeah, what sure. I was thinking? Yeah, we, we, let's say, you know, well, first of all, every place you go to, baptism has been redefined by the local religion to, to be uh, a negative process. So, for instance... Uh, among Muslims, they'll all say, well, you know, before you can be baptized, you have to eat pork. Then you can be baptized. That proves you're not a Muslim anymore if you'll eat pork. Okay, well. well and, and among Hindus who are, who are vegetarians, they say, well, if you just eat a piece of beef, and beef is the sacred cow, literally. And they go, what? I can't, I can't eat beef. And, and many of them, after they become Christians, whether Muslims or Hindus or any other religion, they don't change their dietary rules. They continue yeah. with those because the dietary rules are not the issue. Yeah, that those are not the issue in so many things. But what if it is something that could be considered an issue? Like, you know that, for instance, they haven't been saying that Jesus is the only way. You know, is that they, it's my way, but it's not the only way or something, and they want to be baptized. Well, is that again, something that's a deal breaker or something you intervene with or, you know, what, how would you handle that? Well, well, again, it's the same thing. Well, read, read this and, and say, if you still believe that, and we will say, you know, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except by me, John 14, six. If we don't, if we don't have that understanding, there, there is not a, a pathway to God. Mm-hmm. So we have to come back and say, okay, John 14, six is one of those passages we're going to look at. And with people, and there's many other passages. It's not the only one. There's many other passages that deal with uh, walking with with God in a way that's obedient, that leads to a different understanding of the relationship to God, and and those are the processes. 
See, we, we stopped reading the Bible and we stopped prayer because we think we've had enough religion. Mm-hmm. And now we're saved and we don't have to go. But when we stop praying, we start drifting away from God. Mm-hmm. And when we stop reading the Word, we stop listening to God. And those are, those are the two things that we say, look, without, without prayer and scripture, scripture reading, and I'm not talking study, I'm just talking just reading and listening to God. When, when you stop those two things, you stop the disciple-making process. Right. And that doesn't mean it stopped. Be, it may stop before they became followers of Christ. It may stop after they became followers of Christ. It doesn't impact their salvation. It impacts their walk and their life and their rewards in heaven. Those are the things that the Bible tells us. And as we, as we help people understand the decision they're making, we help them understand this is not just a change in direction. This is jumping the Grand Canyon and mm-hmm. getting to a place that's so different they can't even come together and touch each other. Right, right. And, and that's, that's what we're trying to help people understand is that the decision to follow Christ is not accepting a philosophy. Mm-hmm. The decision to follow Christ is to change total worldview mm-hmm. about how God interacts with people, how God interacts with culture, how God interacts with individuals to make life different the way he intended it to be than letting it go down a path that takes And this to is hell. why even from the beginning, we're asking them to respond and to share it with other people because it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's something that is meant to fully transform us and the people around us. You know, so we ask, yeah, we get asked all the time to come in and, and analyze why DMM's not working. The number one reason it doesn't work is because people leave off the question, who are you going to share this with? Mm-hmm. And yep. when you leave that one question off, all of a sudden DMM fails because it is predicated on the primary metric of replication. Mm-hmm. If you don't replicate this into another person's life, likelihood you don't understand it, you're not going to obey it, and you're not going to walk to a place where you see Christ work in your They're life. They're all con- interconnected it's with all one connected. another. And that's the way it is. You know, people look at, well, you know, this is, this is about salvation. This is about justification. This is about sanctification. This is, this is about walking in the Spirit. And they don't realize that we're looking at them as four different things, but they're really all part of a hand, the whole thing. And they all work together. And, with, and you know, you can't carry much weight with one finger. Right, right. You, 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 it takes the whole hand for it to work properly. And, and that's, the, that's the thing we keep telling people. Look, if you stop reading the Bible, you, you, just, you just amputated part of your hand. It's not going to work. Absolutely. So, so what would you say of someone who was doing discovery Bible study and there, the person in that discovery Bible study had not been sharing. In fact, sometimes not even obeying very well. And, but that they're saying they want to be baptized and stuff, you know, what would you say in that particular situation? Uh, Show us how you've been obedient in the walk that you've moved up to this place Mm. because that that's the question, but really, I don't think I've ever had anybody ask for baptism who isn't doing it. Well, we've had some instances where that's because we're coming from a, a, a background in which religion is privately held and that it's a religious belief and things like that. You know, o- obedience and sharing isn't a part of that. So it's almost like when 
like for instance, in the United States, you're having to overcome previous assumptions about, you know, even Christianity in order to be able to, to have this new thing. So we're, we're having a different set of problems in the sense of that, you know, oh, here's these people, they think they know what Christianity is all about. And if they've read the Bible and that they've, you know, sent to some things, that means that they're, they're now ready to, to, to sign up. So that's why I'm saying it. So if, if someone is trying to bring them through discovery Bible study and they're just not wanting to share, they're not wanting to obey too many times, but yet they're saying, Hey, I want to be baptized. You know, well, we're going to take them back. Uh, we're going to make the assumption they're not ready for that. Mm. And we're going to take them back to the great, the great commission that says, uh, teach them to obey everything that I've taught you, that there's mm. an expectation that we teach others what we're taught. We're, we're going to take them through John 14 and John 15, where it says, if you love, if you love God, you have, you do these things, you obey his commands. Mm-hmm. And it, and if you obey his commands, God, the father and God, the son will come and make their life with you. If you obey his commands, he'll send another comforter and he will, he will guide you into all the things you need to know. And, and the whole understanding that obedience is part of this path. And if you haven't walked in obedience, you're not on the path. You're somewhere else. And it's about a fear factor. It's about an acceptance factor. I mean, I've had people look at me and say, just tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I have to train people. You never answer the tell me what to do question. <laughs> Don't answer that because once you do, you become God mm-hmm. instead of God becoming God. And you just violated the first commandment. I am the Lord, your God. You will have no other gods before me. If we speak for God before God speaks, we stepped in his way. So it seems like the answer would be for you. If any of these people that are either trying to approach baptism, whether it's for good is to give them scripture that deals with whether they are right now. So if they're someone who's not been sharing or obeying, you give them scriptures that talk about sharing and obeying and, and stuff like that and say, you know, how do you, how do you reconcile this with where you are in wanting to follow God? Exactly. And, and that's done as a group process though, not as an individual process so that the whole group is learning by it and the whole group is supporting or, you know, pushing against the belief system that says we don't have to read the Bible, we don't have to understand the Bible, we don't have to obey the Bible in order to be a Christian. And we're saying, well, you know, the Bible has some different things to say about that. People say, well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, grace, grace, God, you know, God's a God of grace. Absolutely, God's a God of grace. That's his love language. Mercy and grace is his love language. Our response to grace and mercy is obedience. Mm-hmm. If you love me, you will do everything I've commanded. Mm-hmm. If you love me, you will t- help other people to do everything that I've commanded you. I mean, that whole picture that somehow to say, I have to obey the word of God negates grace is a, is a, false, is a false narrative. Because we can't give grace to anyone. Mm-hmm. We can't show grace to God. We can't show mercy to anyone. We can't show mercy to God. We cannot cause anyone to step out of lostness into salvation. That's not our job. Our job is to help people see that God is the only source of mercy and grace. And mm-hmm. our response to that mercy and grace is obedience. And that obedience starts with baptism. So what ha- would happen if you a person has gone through 
the discovery Bible process, you've gotten all the way even into some of the baptism passages and they're not respond and they're not gotten to a place where they're saying, I want to be baptized. I want to come to know, you know, I want to follow Christ now. Do you just drop it and move on? Do you try? What what do you do? We have other passages. We come back and study other passages around the same topics. That's the reason it takes some time is that we don't have a set number of scriptures or a set process of scriptures. We have categories of scripture. Mm -hmm. And those categories of scripture. So when someone gets stuck here, we don't just keep trying to tell them the same story over and over again. We have other scriptures in that same category that we can share with them and help them see them and, and work with them. So that's that's part of our preparation is to understand that one passage of scripture may communicate to someone very easily to another person. They may not get it at all, but another mm-hmm. passage of scripture on the same topic may be just what they need to hear. And that's the reason we have to help them hear God. And that doesn't mean we explain it to them. You don't understand. We just say, read this and tell us what you hear. Mm-hmm. Because if I tell you what to hear, I just polluted the waters right. for you falling in love with God. I polluted them. So you're just showing them the other scripture that would be along the same tune. Now, would you do this through the entire process? So that yes. maybe from the beginning? Yes. There, there are some scriptures that are so egregious to some cultures that we don't use them. We use other scriptures that teach that same process about God that do not bother them. Hmm. That's just just part of it. So it, we call it guided discovery. We don't just say, if, if we just hand somebody the Bible and say, read it and you'll become a Christian, mm-hmm. well, we could do that. But man, that's 1,600 pages of material. So mm-hmm. our, our thing is we've got eight major topics we want people to understand about God. We walk through those topics. If they don't understand any one set, then we move to another verse in that same set. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep moving to verses in that same set until they get that one before we move to the next understanding about who God is. God is creator. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes chapter one of Genesis just overwhelms people and say, oh, well, you know, everybody thinks that. And, and well, let's look at chapter three then. Well, that doesn't work. Well, let's look at Romans five then. I mean, we, we can look at different passages that teach the same thing using different words and different and different life circumstances that may touch with another person. That means we have to do our homework. We just walk in and say, okay, this is how you come to Christ and we can throw a manuscript down on the table. Then, oh man, our job would be over and easy, but that's not the way it is. Coming to Christ is not about knowledge. It's about a relationship. And that relationship starts with the disciple maker. And then the, then the relationship with the disciple maker the, the allegiance changes from the disciple maker to God. Mm-hmm. And it's our, it's our job to make sure that the allegiance changes from us to God. So the allegiance to us, because we love them, we care for them, we've helped them, we're working to help them understand more about God. But once they come to Christ, we're their friend. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus said that, I'm not any longer going to call you slave, I'm going to call you brother. Mm-hmm. The relationship changed. And he changed the language he used in the relationship with his disciples. And that's the same thing we understand is as the disciple maker, as Jesus was the disciple maker, when it came to a place that they understood who he was and the relationship they had to have with him to impact their eternity, Jesus said, I no longer call you slave. I call you brother. Mm -hmm. 
And that whole picture is one for us to understand that as a disciple maker, I have a relationship. But the allegiance must change from me to God. Paul said, no, I, I must decrease and, and Christ must increase. I mean, it, that whole picture of the, the disciple maker fades away. Christ and the Father living in and the Holy Spirit living in a person's life increases as their disciple making understanding continues. Yeah, and I, I think that it's important to note when you say guided discovery, it's a different way in which it, the, the, the it's a different way than when we're used to when we say guided in, of anything. Because we think that it means that means we tell them or we ask questions that are supposed to basically get them to where we want to get them to. But the guided, as, as you're describing, is merely pointing them to the right scriptures that and would be able to answer the, same, the question. The same process of what does this mm-hmm. tell us about God? What does this tell us about man? This is from God. What must I do about it? And who I need to share this information with if I discover something new? Exactly, exactly. Well, David, uh, I just really loved our discussion today. I think it's going to be uh, helpful a lot of people, and, and really it's exciting, right? It's exciting to see people come to know Jesus and exciting to see uh, God just transforming people, and not just individuals, but also whole groups of people at a time. Uh, you have been listening to the CDM Podcast. I'm Rebecca Ewing. Uh, thank, remember, like, share, five-star rate and read this podcast, and you could become a $5 a month supporter of Patreon and be able to listen to our full premium content. Thank you so much for supporting us. Go out there and make disciples. Thanks for listening to the CDM Podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com.